Welcome to What Do You Think I'm Al? And I'm C. And on this episode, we're joined by our good friend Jay once again. Say hi, Jay. Hey, yo. Welcome Jay. to my podcast. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's going to be stop. That's going to stop being funny eventually. Eventually. I uh, will. Yeah, it's because it's not funny because it's my podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. You thought I was joking? Mm. Well, well, here's the thing, Jay. Uh, Litigation's today... not a joke, see. <laughs> Uh, today, today we're going to be reviewing um, Devotion, uh, 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 one of the f- few movies about the Korean War that exist. Although, I I personally wouldn't call it a war movie, uh, but it is a movie about the Korean War and about uh, a couple of very specific heroes of that war, uh, mm-hmm. Jesse Brown and Tom Hutner. Uh, Tom Hutner got the Medal of Honor, I want to say. Oh, I, I don't want to give yeah, like... the Medal of Honor. The Medal of Honor, great, because I, I don't want to give like unwarranted valor. He got, uh, Tom Hutner got the Medal of Honor, and Jesse Brown was the first uh, uh, black airman in the, the, the Navy's history at the time, because this was Navy, not Air Force. Uh, so they're both big, big heroes. Uh, both have a story that was... <clears throat> Very, very, very ripe for a Hollywood adaptation. And uh, this is the... I I think this is like the first big project of the director, J.D. Dillard. Yes, this is his first like big Hollywood project. He, he was known primarily as a television director. He directed episodes of The Outsider, which was on HBO. He directed mm-hmm. episodes of Utopia, the Amazon Prime version, not the original British TV version. Uh, and... He directed a couple of, uh, I think this, okay. He directed a, a couple of small dramas. One was called Sweetheart, which was one of those like small Blumhouse. Uh, you know, Blumhouse does these like straight to streaming things yeah. where super mm-hmm. tiny budget. Well, uh, Sweetheart was one of them, came out back in 2019. and uh, But his uh, first feature debut was a... 2016 drama called Slight which is about a young street magician which I heard about when it was making the rounds in the in the festival circuit uh, mostly because of its two leads Storm Reed and uh, Jacob Lattimore uh, for those who don't know who Jacob Lattimore is uh, he was in Maze Runner he was in Detroit he played I believe he played one of the quote unquote ghosts in Collateral Beauty with Will Smith See, you know what I'm talking about. I pretend that movie doesn't exist, but and, you know it. Yeah, Oscar but, bait the movie, right? But anyway, J J D Dillard. This is his first big Hollywood production. This is his, you know, you we, I call it the uh, the formal coming out movie, which I, I know sounds weird, but like it's basically yeah. it's basically when Hollywood goes like, hey, here's here's a mid range budget. Let's see what you can do. Uh, Ryan yeah. Coogler got his with uh, Creed. Um, uh, Ava DuVernay got hers with Selma. So anyway, so th- that's that's kind of the type of movie uh, uh, Devotion is. Uh, and a little conversation we can have uh, before uh, we start our review proper. Mm-hmm. I just got to say, what are your guys' thoughts on Jonathan Majors? Because I'll be real with you guys. He's slowly becoming, not slowly, he's actually quickly becoming like one of those actors I'm always excited to see in a movie. Like he's not been in a ton of stuff, but the stuff he has been in, I I've been really like into. Um, the only notable exception being Lovecraft Country because that got a little too weird for me. <laughs> but um, nah, man, like uh, his I guess his debut film was the uh, the last black man in San Francisco. I thought it was a very pretty movie. Um, I thought the story was a little lacking, but I thought Jonathan Majors did a really really good job in it. Uh, he had a little role in White Boy Rick. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I thought it was really good in there. But what made me kind of like really get attention to him was when he did uh, The Harder They Fall, the Western on Netflix. He had such a presence in that movie that he stood on his own against the likes of someone like Idris Elba or like Keith Stanfield. I, I, I was really like, I was really drawn to his performance there. I mean, it's not the best Western ever made, not by far, but it was, it really captured my attention. And of course, you know, the big deal is that he got cast as uh, King of the Conqueror in the MCU. 
and um, I'm not gonna say specifically where he appears in, but he did he did make an appearance already as uh, Kang the Conqueror, and you know I was like, oh well, that's fun, but nah, man, like, and now with Devotion, and then with the upcoming uh, Creed three, and all that stuff, I'm just like, I'm 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 really digging this guy, his career, and where he's going. Like, there's, I, I don't know, I don't know what. I, I, I can't figure out what it is exactly that he has that has me so so like drawn, but he's got something that I think is going to make him a really, really big star or potentially a really big star. What do you guys think? Uh, well, I'll go. Um, yeah. So so this Jonathan Powers is James Corden gone right, where he's in everything, but he's actually, you know, talented. And, um, and... He's blowing up this year. He's in just about everything. Like when I went to go see Devotion, you know, I'm going to go see a movie with him in it. But there's also posters all around with him in it. So he's definitely blown up. Um, I think he's he's got a very nice subtlety to his acting. Yeah, that he can turn on and off and like and like when he needs to go to eleven, he can go to eleven. But he keeps it, you know, nice and subtle and. And very contained, which I think is is kind of a bit charismatic, but also like there's just something drawing to that that I think is what really works for him and what keeps getting him all these all these roles. Mm. What about you, C? Well, I'll admit. So my first, it, so this wasn't the first thing I saw Jonathan Majors in, but it was the first thing when I realized, oh, he's like. You know the difference between you know when you see an actor in something and you then realize you've seen him in other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, oh wait, he was in this. He was in this. That's right. But like you didn't connect it until that. The first time that happened with me was when I, was with um, uh, Lovecraft Country. Now I'm actually a pretty big H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, fan, at least of his stories, I should say. Um, and I was very intrigued by the uh the adaptation of Lovecraft Country into a show um unfortunately for me i quickly lost interest with Love- Lovecraft Country nothing to do with the acting at all in any way simply and i won't go too far into it but simply parts of the story as episodes went on you know what's a good way to describe it is I really was hoping they would like just do this big it was going to be this single story throughout the the season and and it ended up it ended up being a sort of a monster of the week vibe. Now granted I'd never read the literary work it's based on the uh Lovecraft Lovecraft Country book that is. But I just found it difficult to invest in what was originally Per, uh, portrayed as not a monster of the week type thing and then sort of became that um so that sort of left a slightly sour taste in my mouth um i did also see uh last black man in san francisco um that again very beautiful but i actually thought to put it in a certain way the story was lacking so i really didn't have the uh supreme interest in Jonathan Majors. Um, I was rather impressed with the roles he was getting, though. Um, I will say seeing him in this has, and I'll go into this a little bit more, but seeing him in in Devotion has really turned a new leaf for me, so to speak. Um, I, I was finally able to see the strengths of his performance and a movie that can go to bat with him uh i'm personally also very excited for creed 3 i think it looks great and i think he's gonna be a a a great part in that as well so i definitely i'm excited to see where his career goes without a doubt and i'm happy he was in something that i've truly uh i think has met his ability and caliber so to speak Mm, great uh one one last thing uh i totally forgot to mention he plays a pretty important role in uh, Spike Lee's uh, The Five Bloods. He yes, plays, he does. He plays um, Del- Delroy Lindo's son uh, in that movie. And I thought the scenes with them together were amazing. You know, like the scenes, the, th- the scenes 
Delroy Lindo did with Jonathan Majors is why I was like, oh, Delroy Lindo should win the Oscar. Uh, I don't think he did uh, win in, in that instance, but but no. that showed me that like, oh, Jonathan Majors is a is a force to be reckoned with because you can say a lot of things about Spike Lee, but one thing you can't say is that he doesn't know, he doesn't have an eye for talent in terms of acting. Oh, so you're saying he does have an eye for talent? Okay. Yeah, he has a he has an eye for talent. I mean. He essentially made uh, Sam Jackson and Denzel Washington's careers for, for good reason. Those, those men are some of the most iconic actors working in Hollywood today. Um, all right, so let's get into our review proper, but how about we watch the, uh, the trailer for Devotion and then we give our thoughts. Let's do it. land in that plane. to know the men you're flying with. See what they're fighting for. What are you fighting for? Hoping to find that out. Try to keep up! This is war. And we're up. Can't tell you how many times people have told me to give up, quit, die even. That's why you can't always do what you're told. If I did. I wouldn't be here. Can I just say real fast, I have never seen that trailer. And it is way better than the one I had been seeing for a while. Not that the other one was bad, but this one's way better. So there was a reason I showed this trailer. This this was the teaser. This was the it it, it came out. Uh, I I don't think it ever came out like in in a theater proper. It just was released online. Mm-hmm. And then the one you saw was the actual trailer. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I I liked the teaser for for a big reason. That being that it it kind of shows you like what I consider to be one of the more interesting aspects of this movie, which was that um, sort of semi-ritual Jonathan Major's character, Jesse Brown, or Jesse Brown was actually a real guy. Uh, It's kind of this, this ritual Jesse, uh, uh, Jesse Brown did before he would fly. Um, I thought that was one of the more intriguing elements of the movie that I really wished the, the, the next two trailers kind of at least gave you a hint of, but they only ever did that with the teaser. But anyway, uh, well, the trailers are also kind of misleading too about like how much action is actually in this movie as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's and, and they did that for a reason too to like get you know butts and seats and everything. But at the same time, like it's a bit of a misleading trailer. No, no, no. Yeah, that that was that was exactly what I was going to follow up with. Um, <laughs> so like like I like I said earlier in the in the review on the episode. Devotion is a movie about the Korean War, but it's not a war movie. Uh, it's more of a meditation on on these two men, these two soldiers, Jesse Brown and Tom Hutner, and their relationship, and ultimately how that relationship, how that devotion expressed them, themselves through this act of, of heroism and valor that Tom Hutner attempted during the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Um and interestingly enough, I, I understand why Sony was like, well, you got to sell this as a war movie. Um, 
I understand that, but the the thing I kind of have trouble thinking is that this this is not a very high budget movie. This is a mid budget movie. Um, and since you've both seen the film, you, you know that's the case. You, you can see it. Or rather, it's the budget is put in very specific moments. And yeah. It's, and it's not that the rest of the moments don't work, but it's like, oh, here's the money. Okay, you, you know when it's happening. Yeah. And, and the thing I was going to say is that, like, Sony, Sony apparently really liked the, the, the script. And they were willing to make what I would call kind of a more mediative drama about these two men right but then it's like oh but we want to sell it as a war movie then it's like well why didn't you give them the money to make a war movie if that's what you wanted to market but anyway that's that's just my my quibble with it uh so uh jay you, you know the rules you're our guest so you kind of give us your 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 first <clears throat> thoughts on the movie yeah so um definitely was not what i was expecting you know going in obviously because the trailers um I really appreciate what they did, though. They took us through the whole process of what the first black aviator in the Navy went through. Um, and they really focused on that. And I really appreciate that because it not only is is this, you know, the forgotten war, <clears throat> excuse me, but there are also like some forgotten stories about some of the first african-americans in service as well you know um you know, like in, in in school i kept hearing all about the one uh ship steward at pearl harbor who decided to use an aa gun and shot down some zeros you know you hear all about that but you don't hear about this one you know so so very you know props to them for you know putting the story out back out there um this is also a very personal film, and I really got into that. Um, I, you know, when we we heard the line in the trailer, you know, it's good to know what a man's fighting for, and everything, and and she responds like, "Well, what are you fighting for?" And it's like I'm hoping to find out. Like that's a very honest answer. Like a lot of a lot of people would just give you some bullshit, you know, rehearsed answer. Like I'm I'm doing this for this, but he's like, you know what? I'm looking to find out. I'm here. I'm going to find out what's going on. Um, so overall, just really impressed with the cinematography, especially this this one scene where he's doing his mirror ritual. Um, and you guys know what I'm talking about, where it starts dead on him from the mirror perspective, and then it slides around uh, and catches him and his reflection. I I have to know how they did that. My best guess is that that was a moving wall that they moved behind the camera once the camera started moving. Um, but yeah, so top-notch cinematography, really great performances. Um, overall, good story. I have some qualms about some loose ends that maybe didn't get tied up at the end, especially with the two Marines. Um, but yeah, so far, so good, you know? So something, you sh uh, something I wanted to mention... Um so the the dp of, of this picture is eric messerschmidt and uh, uh it appears I'm, I'm looking through his filmography it looks like he was primarily a television uh a television dp right but uh he got to be the uh he got to be the hdr camera op in mank uh the the david fincher flick and but this is like his first full-on like full director photography credit. This is like his first one, um, and uh, his his second one's going to be the the Michael Mann Ferrari movie coming out next year. That's actually a perfect choice. That actually, I'm now even more excited for that movie just because I know the cinematography is going to look really fucking good. Yeah, no. So like like Jay, like you mentioned, like the cinematography here. In fact, when me, C and I watched this together, the first thing we said when when we left the theater was that. Devotion should definitely get a best cinematography nomination because it like it's obviously shot in digital. It's pretty apparent when you watch it, but I this is gonna sound really weird. And for my non-film knowledgeable friends, I really apologize for this. But you guys know how there's a there's a very specific softness in in film photography, right? This this doesn't have that. This has a different type of softness 
that is that's very much digital, but but it's like its own thing. I I know that sounds really weird, but because you know, when we were when we were coming out, when we were being taught film theory or or, or film technique, there there was we were always taught that digital photography can be very um, can be a bit too clean and a bit too uh, sterile. Sterile, yeah, a bit too sterile, and. I think devotion in its in its photography just completely like turns that on its head. I mean, it's very apparent that it's still digital photography, but there's a softness to it. A it's a all lo- about that focus, man. It's all yeah. about the focus. Yeah. yeah, actually, holy cow, Jay, that is exactly it. Exactly. But that it's not just the the first thing I said to Al when I walked out of the theater with him was, I've never seen more more of a variety of the color blue in a single film like ever like holy cow um i mean i'm sure avatar way of the water is gonna beat that just by you know (laughs) blue people blue planet blue sky blue water so sure fine fine um but just the blue in the water the blue on the, the the metal of the boat had a slight tint of blue to it the planes looked like these majestic like when they were sitting not flying when they were sitting. They just looked like these majestic, uh, almost like resting birds. It was really something to look at. Um, and without a doubt, the cinematography is one of the, is one of the strongest technical points of this movie. Um, it's, it's also kind of funny. Um, there is a, a moment in the film where they, they, every, they all take a, Vacate, they do some leave in France at Cannes, uh, France. And Al and I instantly realized that that was Savannah, Georgia. And I happened to know that they filmed on um, River Street and then also in the back alley of River Street right there. And let me just say, I mean, I'm sure they had generators, but I happen to know that lighting that back alley of River Street is... It's pretty hard because you have to deal with lights that are already in the buildings, which, are, which I'm sure they just turned off or, or or covered up in some way. But you also have to add your lights, but somehow make it look organic or proper that it's going to sort of seep into this very specific alley. Because it's not just an alleyway. It's an alleyway where above you is a whole other road. It's very hard to get right. Um, and while obviously having a huge budget helps... Um, they, they nailed it in that, in that subtle moment, the darks, the, the dark colors or the shadows, I should say, didn't look too dark. Um, but it also didn't look overly, it didn't look like it was inside a light bulb or something where the, it, it looked just right. And I was very happy to see they got that little detail, right? So see, since you're on a roll, what were your general thoughts on the film? General thoughts on the film? Yeah. Your, your review. So, um, Overall, I think the film's strongest points are the cinematography and Jonathan Major's performance. They equally carry the film um, to make it what it is. Um, Because I did... I'm not going to say this is a negative, but this is just a observation. Because it is more of a character piece with the action at the end... I did get an HBO original movie vibe or even an original uh, original, you know, a, a television made for TV movie vibe because I've noticed a lot of movies like that with some exceptions. That's what they do. They do a lot of character drama in the beginning and middle or the first two acts. And then in the third act, they take what money they've got and put it on heavy, you know, for the one for the war scene they want to do or or for whatever they want to do. So I did get that kind of a vibe. It's like, you know, I could, I feel like I could be watching this, you know, at home. And if I, and if it said an HBO original film, I I would be impressed, but I would not be entirely surprised. Like it really brought it on the caliber, the caliber of band of brothers and the, and the Pacific, so to speak. Like I really got a lot of those vibes. Um, It's not a diss in any way. It's just like, because this is a different kind of food movie than you expect, I almost think it's important 
I don't want to say it's important to know that, but I do think you're going to get a certain kind of audience member who really was expecting one thing and then isn't delivered that. And I think it's possible for anybody to still enjoy it, but you are going to get people who, because it wasn't what they were initially promised, that they're going to be inherently disappointed, unfortunately. Um, you know, Al, to quote you, this isn't Top Gun Origins, so to speak, like the trailer (laughs) makes it out to be. It's not. And the trailer does make it like literally the first time we watched the trailer, you leaned into my ear and go Top Gun Origins. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but this movie isn't that it's this very intimate character piece that is also kind of a I don't want to say buddy comedy because that's not correct, but it's this. It's about these two friends in this system of what eventually amounts to war. And you have to be ready for two acts of that. And it's great. It's really, really great. But you just have to be ready for it. Yeah. See, you got me thinking on that real quick. Like, it definitely has an HBO filter kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, with the look on it. It definitely, like, you know, Banner Brothers, Game of Thrones, you know, lots of blues. Definitely has that HBO filter. So, yeah, definitely feel you on that one. Yeah, and it, again, yeah. that's not a diss. You can get, there are plenty of great HBO original movies. I think the strongest answer to that is, you know, The Pacific is fantastic. I loved it. Um, and a non-war HBO movie is uh, Bad Education, or Bad Education or Bad Teacher? Bad education. Yep. Bad, bad education. Bad education. But what my point is, is that like it does, it has that vibe and I just, I don't want it to come off as a diss, but you do. It's just how they, I guess what I'm saying is Al, when you said that this guy, you know, the director did a lot of TV stuff and so did the cinematographer, that makes so much sense. Okay, uh, I'm back. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, no, I, I did. I did get a chance to hear all that. So I'm. I'm actually going to give my thoughts now. Sure. Uh, so, uh, I, I loved how you mentioned HBO film because I was. I've been trying to kind of. Tr- trying to get my thoughts together where I thought this film. So, like both of you have said, I think the strongest elements in this film are, Jonathan Major's performance as Jesse Brown, the cinematography. And some underrated MVPs in this is Christina Jackson as uh, Jesse Brown's wife, Daisy, and Glenn Powell as Tom Hudner. Because, you know, ultimately, ultimately, the third act becomes the story of how Tom Hudner got the Medal of, the Medal of Honor. Uh, and the, the thing is, is that as I'm watching this movie, I come to realize, oh, uh, this Sony isn't making or isn't showing us a war film. They're showing us a film about these two men and their their kind of evolving relationship, their evolving friendship. And I'm fine with. It. I think it's I think it's totally that that's an interesting take on this on this story because, I mean, guys, it's been how many years since since Saving Private Ryan? Um, I think it's I think twenty twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so there's only so many ways you can reinvent the war movie, right? That sometimes it's like, well, what if our war movie isn't necessarily a war movie? I think, I, th- I think that's a valid interpretation of how to tell this story. The, the one thing I will say that kind of, it, it's not a, it depends on how you look at it. I'm, and I'm saying this in a totally value neutral way. The story as, as it develops, as it progresses, sometimes run in, runs into, I don't want to say tropes, but it sometimes kind of runs into this thing of because ultimately, again, while the third act becomes more about Tom Hudner, the first two acts are totally about Jesse Brown. And the thing is, is that, you know, I I don't know how you guys feel about this, but you guys know that, like, especially in the 90s, there was a specific type of movie with, you know, evolving that would talk about race where too many times it'd be like the 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 African American character kind of being on the receiving end of, of racism, right? 
and then trying to oh and always always trying to be above it always trying to be like well I, i'm not going to say anything i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be dignified right like these films have existed in in hollywood for a long long time and only recently have people been like oh uh african-americans black people they don't just want to see what 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 has been dubbed the struggle movie they don't just want to see struggle movies because sometimes you know sometimes when all you're willing to show is black pain it's like well you know black people can be in sci-fi black people can be in romantic comedies black people can be in dramas that aren't necessarily about race right and i feel like sometimes hollywood always forgets that and this film doesn't do that right this film and i think this is all to jonathan majors credit is that when we have those scenes where he's on the end of of a, of a racist like attitude or 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 insult right like yes he rises above it as we've seen in many hollywood movies but what jonathan majors does that is different is that you see that barely controlled rage behind his eyes right where he's like i want to do i want to punch you i want to punch you really hard but i won't but you also know? i would think what helps save that as well is the the more intimate scenes where he's looking at himself in the mirror where you realize, oh, it it does like yeah, it it does affect him. Yeah, no. But and also, also that whole argument that he has with, um, with Hutner in in the locker room or their barracks and everything, where he explains like I have to yeah. do this because of all of this, and I have to trust only myself, kind of thing. Yeah, and something else like that balances that out is that we. We do get to see the real Jesse Brown when he's with his wife, when he's with his wife and daughter. Then we see kind of the 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 intimate, vulnerable man he becomes. And that's just, that's what makes this film refreshing, because instead of being instead of being stuck like in the 90s, right, uh, mm -hmm. of the, the 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 type of movie that Hollywood was churning out in the 90s every November. Like now now we get to see like like, OK, this was an actual man with actual emotions being, you know, sweet with his with his high school sweetheart and the mother of his child, loving his child. You know, he, he has his shields down, right? He's shields down. He's just allowed to be a loving husband. And I, I really did appreciate that with this film. Like, we don't get it a lot, but when we do, it's really, really refreshing. Um, the scenes with between Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell are good. I'm not saying they're not. Sometimes they run through that well-worn path of, like, like oh there's here's this it never goes into the full-on 90s mode where here's this black man having to educate this white guy on racism but it's like hey things it's obvious that things are different between you and me because i'm not going to get into spoilers but hunter does something that he thinks oh this is going to help and jesse brand has to tell him like no it's not you're just making things harder for me why, like why can't you understand like instead of trying to be a try hard you just be my wingman right that and is actually a great moment he just like, says just be like it's a great line it's like just be my wingman like just do this right please i've got i can yeah. handle my own shit you just just ha just be my wingman that's all just do your job yeah basically I, I think a, I think a lot of this has to do because the director J.D. Dillard like I've been reading a little bit on him because he's gonna he's gonna become the new uh, 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 he's gonna become he's gonna be kind of become the new guy that like everyone's like going to want to give a franchise film to because this film shows he knows how to how to work with a, within a budget and if there's one thing Hollywood loves is a director who's like I can make something compelling in a small budget or in a relatively medium-sized budget hollywood loves that so i've been reading up on him and he talked about how like you know he got the script and he's like you know it was it was very it was very standard what you would have expected this to be and i was like wow he actually did a lot of research not just on jesse brown but just like on on aviators in the navy in general during the korean war he took bits and pieces of, of true events not necessarily from Jesse Brown or Tom Hutner's like a uh, squad, but from other squads and other events. And the big thing was he was like, okay, Sony's going to be expecting this kind of your standard run of the mill message movie for Oscar season. What can I do to present to the viewer, the human being that was Jesse Brown. And he did so much research. Uh, 
I believe Jesse Brown's daughter and grandchildren helped him so much in this research. And that's why we get a film that has these moments of just incredible authenticity that's true to the man that is Jesse Brown and also true, true to the man that, that is Tom Hudner. And I really appreciated that because, you know, the, the thing is, is that we can't always ask for filmmakers to reinvent the wheel, right? Because there's only so many times you can. But when you see that they're making a genuine attempt of doing something different and for the most part landing on their feet while they're doing it, hey, I, I got I to give kudos to that, guys. I really do. A hundred percent. I really I really think you can you can always tell. Well, that's not true, but you can o- almost always tell when a filmmaker really cares about the subject matter, so to speak, um, and when they just want to try to make uh, a compelling movie. Now, you can still get two great movies either way. I'm not saying you have to devote yourself to a potential true story that is that the movie is being based on. But you can tell when they add little details. And that actually is one thing that I want to add as well. A lot of movies, when they're based on a true story, they fall into a very concerning trap where the plot, the, the story beats don't quite work because life doesn't fall along a story. So when you're... When you're making a movie about a true story, you have to include things that actually happened. But when something happens that's kind of awkwardly in the middle of the third act, that would be pretty drastic. You, you can have a lot of difficulty in still making that story flow, so to speak. Um, and sometimes directors just choose to straight up cut it out, which can lead to criticism as if it's a very well-known portion. Or they include it and it just feels like this moment that doesn't really make sense. What I like here is you do have a moment that is a little like it's so I don't even want to say out there, but it's so unique that it had to have actually happened, but they manage to stitch it into the story quite well and still make it this point of growth for the for the two lead characters. And I do. I always just appreciate when something like that happens, uh, and I was very relieved to see that as well. Jay, do you have anything to add? Um, more so uh, back to that moment where he's like, "Just be my wingman." Um, you know, that's a that's a very good parallel to to today and what you know African Americans need from white people who want to help them. Uh, fight for a better life, you know, um, you know, it, it's definitely time and time again, you, you, people like think they're trying to help and they're, and they're doing too much or they're making things worse, you know, and it's just like, Hey, you know what? I got this. Um, really, I really don't have too much to say about this, this one. It's just, it's just pretty straightforward for me. So, but I agree with everything you guys have been saying. One one big criticism I am going to give the film, and this this almost dropped it a rating, is that I cannot abide that while I was watching the movie, I see an actor in the third act, and I'm like, who is that guy? And then I'm like, oh my god, he's one of the guys from Flags for Dads. Oh, this movie sucks. <laughs> I, I, I need to go. Oh my god. So Do you guys know who all, I'm talking you about? Got, first of all, you got that from us, from Jay and I. A. Well, yeah, and now I'm 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 uh, appropriating it. Now hold, on. actually, that's actually an interesting thing, Jay. What people who listen to this podcast, all five of them, don't know, is that we together had a not a war movie marathon, but we went through. Not every war movie, but God damn it, a lot. Um, and yeah, it was at least fifteen. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, no, it was a lot. We and we had to take breaks in between. We were just like, I can't right yeah. now. <laughs> this was over the course of a year, everybody. So it wasn't like we weren't like killing ourselves in one weekend, you know? No, no, because it's it, it's it it does take an emotional toll. But Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, and let me be clear: we, when I'm saying this, I'm not shitting on any of the real life events. But we agreed that Flags of Our Fathers 
a.k.a. Flags for Dads, was quite possibly the worst war movie we had seen. Like, <laughs> Hands down. Not even just one of the worst war movies. Just one of the worst movies in general. <laughs> oh, my God. God, it was so boring. You know what? Oh Clint, Clint Eastwood would, would agree with you. <laughs> Wait, did he say that? Not not that specifically, but he ha- he has pretty much said that his attention was more towards Letters of Iwo Jima than it was to Flags of Our Fathers. And guess what? Letters from Iwo Jima, though not perfect, is a better movie. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing was was that like or Letters from Iwo, Iwo Jima. Sorry. The the thing was was that like when 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 the the when a when a certain helicopter pilot appeared, I kept thinking to myself like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Who is that guy? And uh, as as uh, C was was driving me home, I just look at my I just look at my phone and I'm like, oh, my God, it's one of the flags of our father's soldiers. No, I want to point out one other thing about and then we'll I'll stop shitting on flags for dads. There's a moment. And if anyone's seen this movie and Jay, you'll know what I'm talking about. But we're like we're almost done with the movie, although then we realized I think there were like 30 more minutes. <laughs> but we're sitting there watching this movie, and in my head, I looked at one character, and I literally said to my, I thought to myself, if you fucking cry one more goddamn time, <laughs> yep, I'm yep. Gonna... <laughs> no, so so Al, we we were watching this movie, and I like we time checked it, and I was like. There's still 45 minutes left. Oh. It was just, oh. oh. Um, I do want to get back on track, though. One, yeah, yeah. one definite critique I have. Um, so the, the two Marines um, who are on the ship uh, and are, are the ones who, who do most of the bullying to, um, to Jesse Brown, um, are we mad that there wasn't too much of a payoff with them? Like, they get rescued by Jesse and their squadron, and then they see Hutner at at the camp and everything. Are we like? I, should I, there have been more for that? I think the unfor the, the the unfortunate thing, and I don't know how much of this was true. Were they just were those two characters made to represent what he had experienced, or were those two characters based on real people? I don't think we know. Well, and, if if they were gonna if they're gonna make it represent, then it should have been like different people you know what i mean yeah and this is and this is we're gonna talk about another really bad world war ii movie uh red tails because red tails does this red tails has a has a moment where where the the pilots they're protecting the bombers are protecting come up to them and are like hey you you stayed with us and you did your job and we're sa- we're alive because of you and you know they buy them drinks and everything and, and that pays off um uh- I, so I don't know I don't know what we should have gotten here, but I was kind of disappointed. I I would say this. So this is a two hour twenty minute long movie, and uh, I I think ultimately there is probably a deleted scene somewhere. They just cut it because Sony was probably like, "This is running too long." That's that's fair. That that that's that's the only thing I I, I could I could say because because I was expecting that too, and and I was like, "Wait, what?" Like. I assumed because of how the third act plays out, that's why we didn't get anything. Like, like maybe J.D. Dillard and the writers were setting us up. Like, well, folks, if you know anything about the actual event that happened with Jesse Brown and Tom Hutner, then you wouldn't. You're not going to be surprised by the ending. Um, but, but if you don't know, I, I, I'm wondering if maybe it was like. For those that didn't know that they were going to be expecting it, and then they didn't get it as like a sort of twist or something, I don't know. Mm. Um, but but one thing I wanted to add before we give our final reviews, and we haven't talked about them at all, like the the rest of the squad, right? Uh, the the squad leader, the the squad instructor leader, played by uh, Thomas Sadowski, Dick Savoli, Bill Coeg. Joe Jonas as Marty Good. Okay, hold on. I need to say something about that. Why are former boy band members, like, making the rounds in movies lately? Like, I get it. They want to try and be in a movie, and that's fine. Well, well, like, Joe Jonas obviously is gunning for that best song Oscar. Yeah, because he's not going to get it, to be, (laughs) let's be clear. I I love that that when the song is, is, is going on through the credits, you came to me and go like, "This is Joe Jonas singing." As is like, of course, he wants that 
best song nomination. Yeah. Him and him and his ex Taylor Swift are really gunning for that best song Oscar because it's probably the only Oscar they'll ever feasibly get. But, and what's funny? Well, is she's really, she's directing too it coming up. Oh my God, that's wait, what, what? We'll, have, yeah. we'll have a whole Taylor. Park, <laughs> you Taylor's know directing. Don't <laughs> no, she, oh my god i didn't oh, know yeah. this yeah I she's gonna be this. she's gonna be directing something for focus features right did yeah you kn- i didn't did you know apparently she got consulted with the director of um of banshees of inner and like they talked or some shit i i knew they talked i didn't know they talked about that oh, oh my, my god. god anyways point is i don't know what's with these boy band members making the rounds but it needs to stop. I'm not down with it. Well, okay. To, to be to be fair to Joe Jonas, he's been acting since a pretty early age. Fair. That is fair. He 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 can act. He's he's a better he, actor he, than Harry Styles. Oh, by far, by far. And uh, and you know, just to add to um, uh, Spencer Neville as Bo Laverty, Nick Hardrobe as Carol Mooring, and uh, and uh, Boom Platt as Buddy Gill. Like they 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 do a very serviceable job. So something that another refreshing thing that's in this movie, I don't know if you guys would agree with me, is that the squad is pretty, pretty, you know, they work well as a unit. There's there's no none of this racial tension within them. You know, you think there's going to be, but then you find out they work really well together. And I I found that a bit refreshing to be like, yeah, these are these are the best of the best. They're they're going to be professionals and actually have a pretty you know, pretty elevated outlook on, on life. And, and there, I appreciated that. But there was one subtle thing that was actually very interesting. If you notice over, so throughout the movie, they all sit together in, in the, in the briefing room, basically. <clears throat> and they talk about different things. You know, it's, it's the mission at the end. And before then it's different training exercises and everything like that. And if you notice the rest, as the movie progresses, the other members of the team sit closer, not, not that they're separated, but they sit closer and closer to, um, to Jonathan Majors' character oh, yeah. over time. No, I, and that's a very subtle, good way to portray their camaraderie. And I, I know plenty of movies do that, but it's like I realized, like, oh, instead of showing them like outwardly becoming more friends over time, which they also sort of did, you just have this, like, almost like kids in the classroom. They're sitting, they're yeah. rearranging seats. And it was a nice little touch. And, and I got to say, I, I know I know, I called uh, Christina Jackson as, as the wife Daisy Brown, underrated MVP. Like, you know, she's, I, I don't want to say it's a thankless role, but you guys know what I'm talking about. The, the mm-hmm. wife role in the war movie, right? Mm-hmm. Which, let's be honest, let's be real here, usually is the, may not be the most well-written or well-developed character on the page. But man, Christina Jackson, man, she she makes sure that that character is well rounded and well lived, you know, and that's that's no small feat coming from an actress who this is kind of her first big thing as well. And I got to say, like, she should be up for she should be up for like a list role soon. I I, I really do think that because when you can do these these like maybe not well-written, maybe very thinly written roles in these types of movies, and you bring a life to them, like, man, what else can you say? That that's, that is the definition of talent. Also, uh, the guy who played the squad leader, uh, Thomas Sadowski, I don't know what he's in, but I want to see him in other stuff because he had a charm to him that I really appreciated. I don't know if you guys... He's in Newsroom. Is he? He's a regular in Newsroom, yeah. Okay, well now I gotta watch. He's pretty Newsroom. good. Now I gotta watch Newsroom, because <laughs> I I really liked him in that. Like, he, you know, he never played that role the way you would expect it to be played. He played it refreshingly as a guy who was like, "Listen, we're all men here. I'm not here to treat you like little boys. You, even though I'm your commanding officer, we are equals." And I really, really appreciated that. I really did. I, I think it's little things like that where you're like, maybe we can do something different. Just here. really good leadership too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, great leadership, bro. Oh yeah, great. Well, well, Jay, how about uh, you give us your final review, your score, okay, your rating? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So overall, I had a great time. I uh, love the cinematography. I really enjoyed the performances, um, and I really like where they took this. There's definitely isn't enough 
media out there about the Korean War. Um, it kind of seems like everyone thought MASH was enough. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, um, there's there's definitely still more to it. I think, you know, you know, recently Hollywood's been getting been pulled into the World War One well. Um, I think, you know, Korea Korea is next, definitely. Um very conflicted on where where I stand with this film. I'm gonna give it a flush. Um mostly for the performances and the cinematography. Um, you know, the 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 one the one shot of Hutner's plane from the wing at the end of the movie where he uh, performs his heroics is uh, incredible. Um, yes. I, I bet there's a bunch of practicals with that as well as digital. Um, and I think, I think ultimately that and the mirror shot I mentioned earlier are going to, are going to be what gives it some, uh, attention, uh, come Oscar season. Um, but I think, also a very good follow-up for um, the actor who played Hutner. Um, Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Very good follow-up from Top Gun, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Top Gun, he plays a hotshot ace who's a bit of a dick, but is, you know, the good guy in the end. And here, he's just a solid good guy and and in a more serious dramatic role, which is great. And I think, you know, I want to see more from everyone involved in this. I want to see more from the director, more from the DP. More from the actors, not just not just uh, Jonathan Powers and Glenn Powell, but everyone. Um, so yeah, big flush for me. Totally, we'll probably watch it again a couple years down the line, you know. And yeah, that's where I'm at. How about you, see? So, I I pretty much agree with Jay. He uh, he 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 got it right on the head there. He nailed it right on the head. Um, the, as I said earlier, the performances, specifically Jonathan Majors, uh, for the most part, and the cinematography are the pillars that really make this movie special. Um, I think with a different cinematographer and like, it's, it's just trying to think of a good way to put this. Those were so good that it elevated any gripes that I might have had with the movie, which I did have a few here and there. But I think at the end of the day, it's just so... This was this is a... This is a different war movie. It's not the most different war movie. If you want the most different war movie, watch Thin Red Line. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's the most different one, okay? That's the one. It's like, what if the war was in the perspective of the animals? It's like, all right, sure. Let's <laughs> let's go with that. No, let's, no, no. Let's... The perspective of the trees. And well, okay. That, for Well, listen. For Terrence Malick, that's one and the same, okay? Let's, we this, can go... this grass will never recover from PTSD. <laughs> Listen, that was his point. That look, we can do a whole thing about Terrence Malick and his view on nature and war in the world, guys. That's a whole different thing. So it's not it's not the most different war movie out there. Okay, fine, but it does take some interesting turns because I think you know what one thing you guys have been alluding to, and we've all been alluding to, is that again, without any disrespect. You can only make so you can only make so many you can only do Saving Private Ryan so many times. You can only do World War II so many times. Like we are starting to see an expansion of you know other conflicts, which I think is great. Um, you know, you have the incredible film uh, 1907 by uh, or wait. 1917? Yeah, 1917, Jesus. Uh, 1917 by Sam Mendes. Holy shit. That is, that's a whole other story. But I really appreciate my point being that we're seeing other conflicts and other perspectives on these conflicts uh, shown. And as you guys mentioned, you know, a not just a different perspective, but Hollywood is accepting that people are tired of the same way we see certain stories being told. Like there is a time and place for those stories to be told that way, but not every time. Yeah. And so I'm very happy that this movie really tried 
and for the most part succeeded in telling this story in a frankly very unique way. I give this a flush as well, but I with the caveat that it is solely because of Jonathan Major's performance and the cinematography. That is why it's a flush. Everything else is a movie at a movie standard. Um, you know, like I said, it has that, it does have that HBO TV movie vibe. That's not a diss, but it is a fact, um, in my opinion. A fact, in my opinion. Wow. Um, but yeah, I give it a flush for those very specific reasons. So, so I'm I'm kind of right there with you guys, uh, except I'm gonna be maybe I might be going a little bit differently. Like, see, like you mentioned, I think, and this isn't a diss to the writers, but I I think that's kind of what they were. I, I don't know if they wrote this on spec or if they were assigned this, but it's it's very apparent that what it seems that on the page was was your standard, you know, uh, the. I guess the studio or wanted or expected kind of that HBO film or, or kind of like the men of honor type movie where it's like, you know, a story told in a feel good way to make people feel good about, Oh, look, look, look how this, this black man overcame all this racism and yada, 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 which again, like, like you've alluded to before, you know, that was, well, that was groundbreaking in the 80s. That was that was good filmmaking in the 90s. But this is the 2020s, you know? Uh, I think I, I, I think we can go past that and, and go into some real authentic storytelling. And that's why I think that, you know, people always talk about diversity in film, like for the actors. But there should also be diversity behind the camera. And J.D. Dillard is, is a black man. And with that perspective came a more authentic narrative of the story which is what I really, really appreciate it. Like, and, and again, you I'm know not... what? I, I'm so sorry. You know what? I, you know what's a, one way I would put it? It was great in glory, but it's tired now. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. See, yes. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm like pointing really hard at you right now. Um, yes. And I'm not even there. Yes. Uh, and, and the thing is, what I appreciate what JD Dillard does here is that he adds a, an authentic humanity him him and jonathan majors craft crafted this very authentic human being that is the hero jesse brown this military hero jesse brown and i i really really appreciated that uh i'm really excited to see what jonathan majors does next uh listen and i've loved glenn powell for a long time he's he's been great uh he was i loved him in top gun maverick i've loved him in the few episodes of Scream Queens I saw like five years ago, uh, where he was the best part. And I loved him in the stuff he's done with Richard Linklaker. Uh, he, he's going to be a swell leading man. And when people say Glenn Powell for, for, for John, or for, uh, for uh, what's, what's the Green Lantern's name? Uh, Hal Jordan. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. And well, now he's King of the Conqueror, but Jonathan Majors would have made a great John Stewart. But anyway, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with these guys, what these two guys are going to do next. Uh, so for me, this is a damn, damn, damn fine movie. You know, I have problems with it again. I feel like I, I really do feel like, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not shitting on the writers, but I feel like if you brought like a authentic voice into this in the writing stage, this film would probably be up for best picture, but you know. The, the writing was a little on the weaker side, so that's why it's only a damn, 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 damn fine movie for me. You know what, what this movie did that does, it does, so this this movie, as far as writing goes, did what the opposite of other movies like this year, for example, or what other, based on true story movies, bleh, sorry. What I'm trying to say is, sometimes based on true story movies rely on the power of the original story, and this one did a little bit. Oh yeah, they totally lean on that because... If you know what it is about, it is one of the most compelling. It, it is probably the most famous war story of the Korean War. Um, I, like I knew about this in middle school. I did not. I'll fully admit I did not know about. Well, this. well, my one of my teachers was a Korean vet. So oh, well, that'll do. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in, in any case, um, I'm really excited what J.D. Dillard's going to do. Like, listen, Eric Messerschmidt, the DP. This is a guy to look out for. Like. We're going to, I, I really do think 
that if he doesn't have a, a little uh, an Oscar in his office in five years, we're going to start talking about him and that anger we talked about Roger Deakins not getting an Oscar because there is a talent there. I have never seen a more warm, inviting technique in digital cinematography than I have with this guy. So, yeah. So, yeah, this this is a damn, 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 damn fine movie for me. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. This has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And I'm Jay, host of this podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> Everyone have a great night. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.